Have you struggled with the idea of taking time for yourself because you're just too busy to even think about it? I used to feel that way too. Like I had no time for myself because I was always so worried about being everything for everyone. My house was a mess. I couldn't keep up with the household chores, my work, the kids' activities, and I really was a hot mess. All I wanted was a little bit of me time to refresh and refuel, but I never seemed to find it. I always put myself last. I'd say my cup was always near empty, and that is a hard way to live. I don't believe I'm the only one who has struggled with taking time out to recharge, and I'm not one to do all the worldly self-care things. For me, self-care means I'm filling my cup so I have something to give. It helps me to be a better wife and mom and friend and worker. And that is why I'm bringing on my new friend, Sasha, to share more about what biblical care for moms looks like how it's different from the world's meaning, and how to practically implement it into our busy lives, and why we need to. Sasha Starr Robertson is an intentional living and biblical mindset coach for moms, a wife of 12 years to her best friend, a boy mom like me, she's blessed by adoption, a travel addict, and a Jesus freak. She is the founder of the Intentional Abundance Co., creator of the I Am Coaching System, curator of the Life and Goals Planner, and host of the Intentional Abundant Life Podcast. Let's step into the fire with Sasha. Hey mama, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. Do you want to find yourself again outside of motherhood and clarify your God-given goals? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering how to find simple systems to keep you on track? Do you wake up with big ambitious goals only to feel guilty prioritizing your interests over others' needs? Hey, I'm Gabe. I too was a busy working mom who lost herself to motherhood. I sacrificed my own dreams to take care of my kids. I was pulled in a thousand directions with too many to-dos piling up. I desperately wanted to find a way to create simple systems so I could create a work-life balance and be present for my family. I wished I could enjoy interests of my own outside of motherhood, but I kept telling myself I didn't have what it takes, others would judge me, and that me time was selfish. Until I found out a little secret. My kids need me to be their example, and they need to see me win. Yours do too. In this podcast, you will discover how to clarify your goals, how to plan with purpose, and how to ditch your distractions and simplify your home so you can find yourself again and turn your passions into purpose. In order to have a red-hot mindset, we need to be willing to step into the fire of refinement so God can mold us into women ready to crush our goals His way. I've learned to use my interest in running to enhance my productivity and spiritual growth. I believe that life is one massive marathon, and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Lace up those running shoes and step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Hey, hey. <laughs> Thank you so hey. much for having me. Hey, Sasha. I'm so glad that you are here with me today. And I would love, before we dive into what biblical care means for moms, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about yourself, some things for us to get to know you better. Absolutely. So um, like you said, Sasha Star Robertson, currently a boy mom to one. He came to our family through adoption and we're actually in the adoption journey again. Um, so growing our family in that way, um, I guess a little background that my husband and I have struggled with infertility for over a decade now. Um, so that's been challenging, but also a major growing experience for us, um, as individuals together, we've, we've leaned into the Lord and learned so much about his love and his goodness through that process. Uh, and it's ultimately what did bring us as a couple to adoption. I've always wanted to adopt since I was a little kid, but um, helped bring my husband around to it. Um, but after going through and struggling, it was almost a decade of infertility before bringing our son home. I had been spending time pouring into myself and my career, um, you know, got my degree and, and, and had a good job. And in fact, um, through adoption journeys can be pretty rocky, like up and down, but um, throughout that process, uh, I had I had just accepted a promotion at work for reaching my salary goal for the year. Uh, and within 36 hours of accepting that promotion, I actually had to turn it down and uh, give my two weeks notice at work because we were matched with identical twin boys 
throughout our adoption journey, we were going to be bringing them home. And I was like, well, I'm not adopting to put my kid in daycare, um, especially two kids, like who can afford daycare on two kids with, you know, kind of any kind of salary that they really want to want to offer these days. So uh, stepped out of the workplace, we ended up not bringing those little boys home. Fast forward, you know, a little bit of over a month later, we ended up bringing our son home. And I just found myself a couple of months into motherhood asking, what is this? Like I, I left my career and everything that I had worked for most of my life to play peekaboo and change diapers. And so went into this really big, I don't say self-discovery um, phase, but also like very much with the Lord and scripture every day and prayer every day. Um, leaning into his guidance and what he has for me. And that ultimately led me to where I am today in the coaching space and, and helping women do all of that fun stuff. So it's a little bit about me and my motherhood journey and yeah. Mm, I love it. I love it. So cool that you became a mother through adoption. And honestly, that's, that's always been a passion in my heart. It could happen still. Uh, I was told by doctors I couldn't have kids. And so that was kind of the route I had planned if I decided to go into motherhood. And somehow I was blessed with three boys naturally, but um, it's that the adoption is still on my heart because it's just yeah. it's just a special place. I mean, they're just special kids who become your own. And um, I love that you shared your journey with us because that was something I was going to ask you about is how did you get into motherhood and what was that journey like? Because I know it wasn't easy and it was definitely an overcoming experience for you. Uh, in that time, what do you think was, what were the biggest lessons that you learned as you were going through the journey of infertility to adoption? A big one was just learning to trust God. Uh, when we first found out that we weren't able to have kids naturally, um, on our own, it was, it was actually kind of ironic because my husband didn't want kids like at, at first when we got married, uh, at least not right away. And so it was a long time of me waiting for him to come around until he was like, okay, yeah, we can try for a family now. And so it's kind of funny that we had this like control in our minds that like, when we decide we're ready, when we're financially stable, when we want to take care of kids, then we'll go ahead and have our family. And then it was, you know, a year of just upset and, and, nothing happening and real sadness and whatever else. And I remember my view of God at that time was like the Disney God, like he was a fairy godfather just to grant me my wishes. And if I didn't get what I wished, then I must be being punished or something like that. So just very skewed idea of who God was. And it was years later into our infertility journey that that we really came to know him. We walked into church, we started reading scripture and and found out who he was for what he, who he says he is in scripture, uh, really developed our relationship with him and, and we're plucked out of, you know, this world in a sense. And, and that really changed a lot. And then throughout infertility, throughout the adoption journey, we can look back and see how, how it really was like his hand guiding us the entire time. And, you know, we'd go on this little, you know, side street and a little cul-de-sac and learn whatever lesson that we had to over there before getting back on the journey. And, and it wasn't just this straight line. It was very much that rigid up and down or, you know, even all these little branches that we'd walk off on and then, and then journey back to this path with him. So just learning to trust him, especially through the adoption journey, we had not just the disruption with the twins, uh, but another one prior to that. And so it was a very rocky journey and not what we expected. We thought we were going to an agency to pay all this money and we were going to bring a baby home. And, um, and it was very much not that simple. Uh, so we learned a lot through that as well. And we have our son and um, even his birth parents are part of our family now. And we couldn't imagine anyone else. And so it really is that God painted a far more beautiful picture than we could have ever imagined or have could have planned for ourselves. Um, and then the other big lesson that we learned is just about, about giving and receiving. We, both my husband and I grew up in families where um, you don't really ask for help. And if you ask for help, then there's something wrong with you. Then, then, you know, and so it was very difficult for us to go into adoption and seeing, you know, the average cost in America is thirty to fifty thousand dollars for an adoption. 
we didn't have that in our bank account. That was almost more money than I made in a year. I think it might've been more than I make in a year um, at that time. And I had a friend who, who was a believer and she's like, but people want to come alongside you and, and help and be a part of this journey. And I was like, what they do? Like, I'm not asking for a handout or whatever. And there was just so much generosity, so much giving, um, you know, my husband and I worked hard. We learned about being able to create income because our adoption ended up being more than double the, the national average, um, expenses wise with the disruptions and everything. And, um, and I remember one day we actually received a donation from somebody and we turned around and tithed that entire amount because we were just like, people have been so generous. And then it seemed like that came back tenfold. So it's really this living with an open hand and, and how giving and receiving is, is viewed in God's eyes versus how we were raised and how we were taught. So those were kind of the big, the big few. <laughs> Oh my goodness, we could talk about all of those on here instead of biblical self-care today um, because it's so good. The The verse that comes to mind is his ways are not our ways. They're higher than our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts, you know, and, and he had the plan and you had to walk it out to see it through. And now he's not only blessed you with one boy, but soon to be another boy or girl to come hang out in your family. And I, that's so cool that the birth parents are still a part of your family too. Uh, just a, so precious and the, and the blessing that you can be to them as well. And now I know in the beginning, we were talking a little bit about how, when you got into the motherhood, it was like, Whoa, what do, how do I do this? And, um, and take care of everyone and myself and all of these things. And so I would love to talk about why it's important for us as moms. What is something that you learned um, to actually have this conversation of taking care of ourselves because you were thrown into motherhood and, and what was that like for you? I'll say it definitely messed with my psyche because, you know, when you're, when you're in a professional working environment, you're, you're in the state of always learning and growing hopefully, you know, I think some people can get, in, get into careers where they're just like, you know, kind of stagnant or staying stuck. Um, but for myself, it was always about growing and learning and advancement and promotion and recognition. And, you know, not to say validation from the world, but, um, but very much in a space where there was always growth. And then I was a mother and I was seeing all this growth in my, my child, you know, the first year or two years of life, it's just, non-stop growth, 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 growth. And he was growing right before my eyes yet. Yeah. I had very little adult interaction and found it very difficult to even find time to take a shower, you know, or get a proper night's rest. And so it is kind of that idea of pouring from an empty cup. Um, I remember so much in the, in the early months of motherhood, I just sang over and over and over again, especially those late night feedings, that song, Lord, I need you. And so my son, even now, when he hears that song, when we sing it at church, he like kind of tries to go to sleep on me because it was just like, that was our regular. I needed God more than anything in my life, um, to pour into me. But I also found there were other needs that I had that weren't being met, um, like being able to shower, like adult interaction, like learning and growth. Those are some of my biggest strengths as an individual. And some of my biggest passions is to learn. And I didn't have any of that. And so in sitting down, it was like a whole month. I feel like I shut out the world. I worked in my planner. I was praying. I was in scripture and just like, God, what is this? Like, is this the rest of my life? Is this what it's going to look like? And this was only a few months into motherhood. You know, it wasn't years later. It wasn't empty nesting phase. I think my son was maybe three months old at the time. And so just really leaning into God, what is this season of life for me? Is it possible to do both? Like to, to pour into myself and to learn and to grow, but also to be here and be everything that my son needs me to be right now. Uh, and I just felt God put together this beautiful picture. And it was just a couple of months after that, I sat down and, and was in a prayer session with him. And he's like, you're really rocking this mom life thing because I had joined a network marketing company. So I had that training and the adult interaction, but my son was very much with me, a part of all of it. I was able to be intentional with him and that work that I was doing, but I also found my time with the Lord had improved greatly. Uh, my self-care had improved where I was 
you know, showering every day. I was, I was starting to get physically active. I was taking better control of what I was eating and my health. And, and it was from a perspective of, I'm not just doing it for me now. I'm doing it for my son. I'm doing it so I can have energy to keep up with him. So I'm here for a long period of time. So I can set a good example of what taking care of your body and being a good steward of that looks like. And, and so there was such a bigger why and reason to care for myself than I was before. And coming from a background of childhood trauma, like self-care has never been a strength of mine. I I'm very much a self-sabotager and can just like, you know, let myself go at times because I didn't see that, like that self-worth or that value, um, or have that confidence in myself and becoming a mother completely flipped that script for me to where I was more effective with my time. Like I said, my self-care, my time with God, all these other things. And so going circling back a little bit, I was a few months into motherhood and I just felt God really saying, you know, you're really rocking this mom life thing. Like you're doing very well at it. And most people have this complete opposite uh, flip where they're good with their time management or they're good with their self-care and then they become a mother and it's the opposite. Um, and so he had really sat with me in that. And I sat down and did a brain dump of like, well, how did I get here? What, what am I doing? And it was 65 pages later <laughs> that just like came out of my brain and like systems and tools and mindset and all this other stuff, um, that he had shown me. And so then later that turned into my coaching program, the planner, so on and so forth. Mm, love it. That's really powerful. And just taking that moment to reflect and go, okay, how am, how did I get here? What, what were the steps yeah. that I took and the tools that I had in my tool belt to be able to rock the motherhood thing and still take care of myself. I mean, that's so important. Um, And I know self-care, the word itself is kind of taboo. I mean, uh, it can really mean completely different things for different people. And there is a worldly meaning in self-care itself. And so I really want to talk about how biblical care for moms is different than what the world will tell you. So what, can you go into that a little bit deeper for us? Yeah. So I think a lot of times when we think of self-care in the world, a couple of different things come up for me and it's probably different for everyone, but it's the, you know, talks about your truth or you do you, um, you know, love yourself and kind of the idea of elevating yourself above others and, um, and kind of like a you against the world you know, mentality, you against others in this comparative mindset. Um, and then it's also like chocolates and bubble baths and getting your nails done and, you know, different things like that. And, and I think it can also lead to idolization in different sense of like idolizing, you know, whether it is your image, whether it is, you know, being fit enough to be in a a fitness competition, you know, or like bodybuilder status or, or having to have the best nails done every couple of weeks or something. And so I do, I definitely want to caution against that because I feel like that's not what God has for us when we talk about self-care. And I think when I, when I talk about self-care, it's kind of synonymous with soul care. And for me, I, God had just revealed this to me one day and it might be different for everyone, right? I love that about scripture and about God is that his word is a very living document. I could go read it today and read a passage that I read three years ago. And, and it comes across totally different to even me as I'm growing and learning. So it might come across totally different for you. And one day I was reading and you know, he repeats his word multiple times in scripture, especially those very important ones. So um, it's actually Mark chapter 12, verse 30 talks about love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And this is, you know, a repeat from Deuteronomy six, where uh, he's talking about loving the Lord with all your loving the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, soul, and might, I think is what it says in Deuteronomy, but I've dubbed Deuteronomy as kind of like the motherhood commission or the parenting commission. Cause it says that we are supposed to have this like on our hearts and on our minds and written on the doorposts of our home and, and talk about it wherever we go, when we sit down, when we stand up, you know, 
and, and teaching it to our children's, the commandments of God and the word of God and, and what he calls us to do. But then in reading this in Mark, where it talks about these four areas, it was just really clear to me when he's talking about your mind. Okay. That's your mental health and your mental capacity, your mental intelligence, right? If we're loving God with all of our mind, we have to be a good steward of that, making sure we're taking every thought captive. And if we're loving the Lord, our God with all of our heart, that's our emotional health. And that's like, you know, when you think of your heart, you think of love, but, but your emotional health and taking those emotional thoughts captive, but also making sure you're, you're showing up and serving from an emotionally stable place. When he says, love the Lord, your God with all of your soul, that's your spiritual health. That's pouring into his word. That is learning, leaning into him. That is remaining in prayer and worship and, um, and just being an example of him and all that we do. And then when he says, love the Lord, your God with all of your strength to me, that's our physical health. And so showing up and being good stewards of our physical health, whether that's managing what we're putting in our bodies, making sure we're maintaining a proper amount of exercise and being active, and then using all four of those areas, you know, to be good stewards, to, to love and honor and worship ourselves in a way that is loving and honoring and worshiping God and being that example to our children and being that example to others, you know, I feel like we can see sometimes like gluttony. And this is just like a, a contrast where, where gluttony is like the acceptable sin, right? It's okay to just like, you know, be lazy and eat a lot of food and be overweight. But then, then when we look at, you know, other sins, sometimes I feel like we can deem those as worse, but the Bible warns against that as well. And so I don't know why this is even coming up today. Maybe I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of conviction in myself because I ate too many cookies yesterday. Um, but just making sure that in all the areas of our lives, um, especially in these four heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we're being good stewards of what God has given us, being good stewards of our mind, good stewards of our emotions, because those are the things that can just show up and, and be icky in our relationships and, and not be a good example of God and his love, being a good steward of our souls, turning into him and like receiving from him as much as possible and being good stewards of our physical health as well. So to me, that is biblical health. It involves God in all areas of, um, of our lives. It's synonymous with soul care and it's not maybe it is a bubble bath, but it's not idolizing that bubble bath or something else above turning to God. Hmm. I love the idea of soul care. Like we're yeah. taking care of our soul, the depths of who we are, and we're doing it to be good stewards of what God gave us. And yeah, maybe it is. If you like getting your nails done, totally go get your nails done. But it is kind of the whole boundary of what becomes an idol in our lives or yeah. what when we deem ourselves more important than the creator or different things like that. And so really taking it all in and, and, you know, I've never been a one who really likes doing my nails. I think it's a waste of time. I get my hair done like twice a year. I mean, I'm just, that's just me. I'm a, you're going to see me in athletic gear pretty much every day. I'll throw mascara on. So I don't look like I'm 12 and um, you know, but for me, self-care is, getting out there and working out, getting my run in, because that's where I find I'm passionate. You know, I, it's an interest I have and it's um, getting to spend time in the word or journal or just have that white space so I can breathe. And um, so self-care really is different for everybody, but it's where, where do we, where can we refuel so that the, you know, the body that God gave us and the interests God gave us and the gifts he gave us, we can actually utilize for his glory. And I loved how you brought up those verses because it kind of made me think about that we're, we're a temple. So the world says, you know, it's all about the self, like be, be whatever for yourself. And you're like a mini God and all these things. But God says, no, you're taking care of your body because I gave that to you. It's precious you are a precious commodity. You are my child. And I want you to be in good health. I want you to be in good mind and have good, a good heart and all these things. So I can use you, you are my vessel. And we can't really be a vessel for him without taking care of ourselves. Absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. So good. So I know we talked about some of the scriptures, but would you say that um, taking care of ourselves it comes in the form of a command in scripture or what are some other um, scriptures that maybe you fall, you fall to as you kind of dive into the biblical care? I mean, I think, yeah, I've never been asked this question before, um, whether it's a command or not. And I mean, I don't know if I would go, go as far as to say it's a command. You've definitely given me some more things to look into and some more research, but I do think in the, in the idea of what you had mentioned, like our body is a temple for the Lord, like the Holy spirit has been given to us and lives within us. And when I think about that, I think of how can I make sure that this temple is, is operating at a capacity that allows the Holy spirit to do the best work. And if I'm not being active and eating potato chips on the couch, I'm not doing much work for the kingdom. If my emotional health is all over the place. Um, I like how Brene Brown says, you know, it's kind of when, when we don't have our emotions in check or emotional health in check, and this might not even be exactly how she says it, totally paraphrasing here with my own, my own perceptions injected in, but she talks about, you know, we can go around like from this hurt space, kind of bleeding all over the people who didn't cut us. And I feel like this can show up a lot in motherhood to whereas if we have emotional hurts that are not being checked, that are not being processed, you know, in times of, of pressure and frustration, we can definitely look at our kids and, and snap at them in moments when they didn't really do anything to deserve that. It's just coming from emotional stuff in us that needs to be worked through. And I don't think that's how God, you know, would, would prefer us to live. And, and when we're showing up from that space, we're, we're drowning out the Holy spirit and what he has for us. And, and same thing in our mental health, which is a contrast be, again here, because, you know, there's studies that show the more intellectually capable a human being is, or the more education somebody has like people with doctorates, are less likely to be believers um, and surrender to the Lord because they have this high emotional intelligence and um, intellectual intelligence. And so it's not not to say that or that that smart people don't love the Lord by any means, but making sure that we're using the intellectual abilities that he's given us to turn to him. And and then same thing with, um, let's see what, our, obviously our soul care, you know, using those things to 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 pour into him. And so that's what I think when I think of whether it's a command or not, how are we surrendering our entire existence to be something that's able to serve God? Um, but also looking at our spiritual gifts and like what he has gifted us in, in that sense too, to like show up and serve for the kingdom. And, and I think all of this takes, like you're saying that reflect and evaluate And I think it's important to sit and do that regularly in terms of our entire lives, not even just self-care. And so there was another scripture verse I was thinking of that it's just not coming to mind. So that's totally fine. And if you think of it, we can always throw it in the show notes for later too, but, or if it comes up while we're talking. (laughs) Okay. So, well, and I love that. And I'm kind of thinking, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, what is self-care for moms? And I know we're going to get into some of the practical uh, ways we can look at it because I, one of the things I see is we just, we either feel guilty taking time away from anyone else to refuel. And we also just don't want, we just, like you had said, you want to do everything. You don't want to ask. I think that was something we talked about earlier on asking for help and stuff. And for me, self-care also looks like asking for help and delegating different things, but um, being willing to drop our ego just a little bit and say, I'm drowning. I need somebody to come take me out of this pool, you know, like help me, help me get through this. And that's something that I don't, I don't know is talked about in the worldly type of self-care, but so important. Because in order to take care of our bodies, we're going to need help. Yeah, I hear you completely. And I love what you said about, you know, the asking for help thing. It's not weakness. I feel like growing up, that's, that's the message I received a lot is that when you ask for help, whether it's financial help or 
emotional help or whatever else. Like it's not a weakness to ask for help. I think it's very clear in scripture that God is in relationship. You know, he wants relationship with us, but he also built us for relationship and for fellowship and, and doing life together. And a lot of times there are people out there. I'm one of those people that it's just like, I'm just waiting for somebody to ask me to help them. You know, like I would love to watch your kids for you. I can see that you are struggling. You're a mom of four. Your little one hasn't slept in years, you know, your youngest and, and people just want to say, yeah, I'll watch your kids have a date night, take a nap, whatever it is, you know, yes, I would love to cook you a meal or, you know, go, I'll watch your kids so you can go to the gym. Um, and so I just want to, to remind the listeners that the asking for help is not weakness. And especially if you need to ask your spouse. They helped you create these kids, you know? I think that's another thing that we we can often buy into the other parts of scripture that talk about, you know, we are the helper and, um, you know, being good stewards of our home and our spouse and, and taking care of this, all the things, you know, I'm doing these air quotes, but you hit it on the head with the delegation and the asking for help is so incredibly important. And I did think of one of the other scripture verses you were asking about whether this is a command or not. And and going back to even the words of Christ, you know, when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, um, you know, to love Lord, your God, but to, to love your neighbor as yourself. And these were kind of synonymous, right? And the, as yourself part is just like the glaring neon sign to me when I read that obviously love others, but as ourselves, like if we're not loving ourselves, well, what business do we have loving others? Because, you know, God is love, but do we really understand that? And are we living from that space? If we're not able to love ourselves? Well, I actually heard a pastor say that, like, if you're not doing a good job loving yourself, don't even come over here and try to love on me. Cause I don't want that ickiness kind of love. You know, I want the full, like God is love kind of love. Um, so I think of that too. And, and you were asking about you know, what does self-care look like for moms? And I love that you also pointed out the white space aspect. You know, I think that's super important. That's part of the whole soul care is we need to be quiet. We need to be willing to make the space to be quiet and even scheduling that on our calendar. If we need to, to just sit and hear from the Lord, to sit in journal, to sit in our thoughts and, and bring them to the feet of the Lord and take them captive and say, you know, what is this? And, and same thing with our emotions. But I think also it's very different for everyone. Um, you know, like you, you love running. I remember you talk about before, you know, doing the Boston marathon. I don't see, you'll I think you'll ever see my name on that list. As long as I'm living, I'm just now developing a love for running. I did a 5k the other day and like record-breaking time for myself by almost half. Like it was incredible, super proud of myself. Um, and, but like I said, I'm just developing a love for that. If you would have asked me even a couple of months ago, I'm only running if there is a bear chasing me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's probably a space where you're able to go and get quiet and like, you know, run with your thoughts and spend time with the Lord in that and process through them. For me, that's swimming right now. I love to go swim and you know, I have this pattern and repetition in my breath where it's just the water, it's God and it's me. And I don't have my phone. I don't have my kid. I don't have music or distraction from anything else in the world. And so, um, again, going back to that reflect and evaluate, it's so super important to allow yourself the time and space to do that. But then recognize what your buckets are in the planner. I actually have um, a couple of pages that are built specifically around self-care and there's a self-care brain dump. And so it's just sitting down and giving yourself the space and time to reflect and evaluate what is self-care to me? What fills my buckets? What brings me joy in life? What brings me to a place of peace? What recharges my batteries and helps me feel overflowing that I am able to give and show up freely to others. Um, and then once you have that brain dump written down, categorize it into those four categories. What of these things are the, for the heart, for the soul, for the mind, and for the strength. Um, 
and then figuring out, you know, maybe one thing from each category or a couple of things from each category that you're going to round robin throughout this next season, throughout this next month or the next quarter of your life, where you're able to pour into all four of those areas with things that really, and some of them might overlap and duplicate, right? Some of them might be the mind and the soul uh, are, are all having to do with spending time with the Lord. You know, maybe, maybe I have a friend who teaches Christian yoga where she has you incorporate stretching and movement in your body with meditating on God's word. Well, maybe that's the soul and the physical, you know, and the strength that you're incorporating together. Um, but definitely taking the time to reflect and evaluate, figure out what it is for you to fill those buckets and then figuring out when you can do those and actually putting them on your calendar to do them. It's not wrong for moms to do that. And so the last thing I'll say on this particular topic is, um, and, and I don't know if y'all have this, but we have here in Alaska, a gym that offers childcare. And it's, it's crazy because it's $38 a month for like the childcare add-on, but it's not just childcare. You also get like tanning and the massage chair and like movie rentals, all this other stuff. Right. Um, but $38 a month, and you can do up to two hours of childcare every single day. That's a dollar a day for two hours. And so they're like, people will come in and drop their kids in childcare and then just go in the locker room on the couches and read a book <laughs> or like whatever, go drop your kids in childcare and go sit in the massage chair, you know, and pray whatever. Um, so to me, it's, it's an investment for our family for sure, but it's an investment to where those days where I feel like I just need to go run or I just need to go swim. You know, I need, I need somebody to take care of my son. I know that he's in a safe space. I know that multiple people are there taking care of him. It's a play center. He gets to go climb around and jump around and play with toys and other kids. And um, it is good for our kids to be able to do that. It doesn't mean we're a bad mom because we're getting a babysitter. It doesn't mean we're a bad mom because we need a moment to ourselves. It means that we're, we're willing to do what's necessary to make sure we are emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically regulated to be the best we can be to serve those around us. Mm, I love that. I actually used that for sure. When my kids were really young, we had the childcare option and it was in my membership. So I didn't even have to pay extra and it was two full hours and I used every last minute. So if yes. I was done working out, I would sit and read the book. I was that person or I'd bring work or do something so I could just have that two hours. And then it refueled me to be a better mom to get to go hang out with them. Then I did my thing that I needed to do and I let them go play and be directed by others. Cause like you said, that is important too. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't have to send them to daycare all day. I only had, I, I could just throw them in there for a couple hours, let them have some fun. They loved it. They loved going to the gym and it was, it was me time. And that was my two hours a day and it was great. So I highly encourage that if, um, especially if you're a mom of younger kids right now where they can't stay home alone or they can't babysit yet. I'm in the time where I have kids who can babysit and they all can stay home alone essentially. So I love this season for sure. But when I was in that little, that season with littles, it, I needed to figure something out so that mm -hmm. I could have a break. Mama needs a break too, yes. <laughs> you yes. know? So, and it's okay to say you need a break. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't love your kids. It doesn't mean that you don't want to be there and take care of their every need. But, you know, they also need a break from you. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to throw that out there. They don't always want to be with you 24-7, at least when they age. I mean, my kids are at a point where they're like, if they see me an hour a day, that'd probably be enough. So um, granted, I make them see me more than that. But they do. They, they need their independence. They need to go learn how to work with others and to be in different settings. And so such a great option. I love it. Yeah. So, and as we're kind of wrapping up, I would love to hear what do you think would be one of the biggest lessons that you learned on your own journey of discovering what biblical self-care means for you? Ah, uh, I think trying to find the best way to word this is that the idea of self-care isn't selfish. Um, I don't believe that being able to take a shower by yourself or go grocery shopping by yourself is self-care, right? Like that's, 
that's a basic human rights, you know, that's like living life. That's, that's not something that like, oh, daddy gets a gold star because mommy got to go grocery shopping without three kids in tow today. Like, no, can we get away from that? Um, but that, that taking care of yourself, especially if the intention in the heart posture is coming from a place of I'm doing this so I can be my best self to serve others in my best capacity possible. It's not selfish. If you're like, mommy needs her self-care and that's like neglecting your children to go drink, you know, or go to the club, whatever. It's a different story. But I think for the most part, I don't want people to get it confused that like they're neglecting their children or they're being selfish or entitled or, or elevating themselves beyond what scripture calls us to do because you're taking good care of yourself. And our kids need to see us doing that. I actually have um, a good friend who's, she would be an empty nester had she not like started family over again. So she had teenagers, you know, I think maybe a 12 year old or so when she started having a couple of more kids and her older daughters um, are grown up. One of them is a mother. And she said, mom, I just want to thank you so much. Now that I'm a mom, I can see all of this clearly. And that when I was younger, when you were raising me as a little kid, like I didn't see you take care of yourself at all. It was just pouring out, pouring out, serving, 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 like, but it was at the expense of herself. And so when she grew up and she became a mother, like she was like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be. And it kind of puts that mindset as like, I don't want to become a mom. I just have to serve and like pour out to everyone else all the time. But then she saw her mom have these other two younger kids and her mom took up health and wellness and started cooking better meals for the family and getting out and running, participating in triathlon so that she had the energy as a mom in her forties to be able to care for her two younger little ones. And her daughter said, it's been such an example to her now as a new mom to know that her mom did prioritize herself and take care of herself and that it wasn't a bad thing. Um, and so I just want you to remember that too, is that you are setting example for your children, especially your daughters, you know, as mothers of like, and then for your sons too, of like, what is it, what is kind of the expectation of their wives? And if, and if it's just to be a doormat and a servant to others and um, it's not, I don't really think that's what God calls us to. So, um, that's kind of a big, a big thing for me is that self-care isn't selfish. I, I could be a bad mom by letting people walk all over me and just pour out and serve all day, every day. But I can also be a really good, attentive, intentional, loving example of Christ kind of a mom when I'm able to make that space and that time um, to care for myself and my body, um, in ways that he calls us to. And the last thing that I did want to touch on is you said, you know, mommy needs a break too. And, um, that your kids need a break from you too. And I'm like, yes. Okay. Your kids are going to grow up and they're going to go out into the world, whether you're going to put them in public school or, or not, whether they're going to go to university or not, whether, you know, they're going to go out and have a job, they're going to be directed by others. You know, we can't keep them under this little shelter of our wing the whole time. We have to allow God to be that shelter and them to, to be able to self-manage and allow others to direct them too. But, but back to the mommy needs a break too. You know, I feel like the world has this like toxic motherhood culture surrounding it where it's like mommy needs a break, but it's the mommy needs her wine and, and things like that. And it's that that we're doing it to get away from our kids. And it's not, it's not like us against our kids. It's not that our kids are, are a bad thing or a toxic thing, you know, for us. It's just that we're all entitled to that individuality and that, that self-autonomy. And um, I don't know of a really good way to describe that, but I think if we look at, if we look at God's word as a whole and in his character and take that into motherhood versus this, I need to get away from my kids kind of an idea. Um, it's not to get away from them. It's for us to be with ourselves in the Lord in that silence, in that respecting of the time and space, um, and be with him. Then it's different. Mm, I'm so glad you brought that up. That is an important key. It is. It's like, 
it's not, we need a break because we deserve wine or things like that. Like you said, it's, we need a break so we can refuel and get alone with the Lord and, mm-hmm. you know, really tune in to what, what, what's our call? What is, what are we, what's he calling to us to today? What's he yeah. calling us to with our children? What's he calling us to in the workplace or wherever we are? And I, I think the one thing that I have learned too is when I take the time with him, but when I don't, I can tell. But when I take the time with him, I am way more present with my kids than when I'm not spending that time. So, yeah, so good. Now, okay, a couple um, more questions before we wrap up. I know you talked about swimming, so maybe this is it for you, but what is your favorite way to take care of yourself? Yeah, I would say right now it's uh, definitely swimming it's, it's physical. So it's taking care of that aspect. It's where I'm able to process my thoughts and my emotions and just bring them to the feet of the Lord. And then it's like I said, it's just me and the water and him. It's a place where I'm able to get quiet and tune out the world. And so I've been spending, we, we just recently got our gym membership with the childcare, but I've been spending a lot of time there because it's, it's a place where God's been meeting me, whether it's in the pool or running on the track. Um, it's just been a really sweet space for me to not bring my phone, not work, not have the noise of the world um, and just be quiet. So definitely the pool is like the place, the swimming. Um, but any, anytime I'm, I'm being intentional about that um, physical activity right now has been really good for me. I love it. I'm probably the same way because running is that for me. And it's just that time away to get quiet. And I, and that's something I think about, um, especially for you all listening, where is it that you really feel God's presence? Where is it where he speaks to you the most? That's probably where that care is for you at this moment. And for me, it's running or, or hiking. I mean, when I'm in the mountains, that's when I hear him. That is when I do my best writing. And that's when I do my best praying, like all of it. It's just being surrounded by his nature just gets me every time. Like we live in the mountains now and well, we see the mountains. We don't live in them, but (laughs) every time I look at them, I just quietly am like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I mean, I can't believe that this is my life, that I get to live and see these mountains that I've dreamt about and drawn and all the things, you know, because that's just like precious time for me. So yes, I'm over here like hundred percent. So for me, definitely hiking, definitely in in nature and creation. Same thing. We, we live, I want to say in the mountains, but not in them. We've got this, we call it our mountain right behind our house. But I just see, I just, the word majesty comes to mind when I see these like magnificent mountains and, and just being in nature and his creation, but Alaska's frozen right now. So I'm not being outside. I am such a freeze baby. I don't go outside anymore in the cold. I mean, I do when I have to, but I'm not going to sit out there. I don't do all the outside winter sports anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Awesome. Well, if you could give my listeners one piece of advice when it comes to starting. So um, we're talking to moms who are just busy and who really haven't taken that time to step away and take care of themselves and find that thing that they can really get close to God Um, what would be your number one tip to be able to start and implement something even this week? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to two things with this. The one I think you hit on the nail really, really well is to find wherever that space is for you, where you hear from him best, because I think so often we can do this other one that I'm going to mention where it's get up before your family and get quiet, get in the word of God, make your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, whatever it is, set your alarm, exercise some self-care and discipline, get your booty out of bed, even if it's 10 minutes before your kids normally get up and spend time in the word with him and in prayer. But that doesn't work for all of us. Like even myself, there have been times where I wake up and I'm reading the word and I'm trying to pray and I'm like nodding off, falling asleep, or like my thoughts just are racing and I can't get quiet in my headspace. Um, and so that's definitely something that I recommend for everyone. And they don't want to hear it most often. Nobody wants to get up earlier, especially as a mom with littles that have you up half the night. Um, 
they'd rather stay up late and do like revenge sleeping is what it's called. And, you know, live off of fumes to try and give yourself these scraps of love in the evening. But the first thing in the morning in the word with God is truly the best way to start your day. His new mercies are new every morning. Um, and just having that word to then meditate on, I have found so many times he gives me the word in the morning that I need 10 other times throughout the day. So I don't think there's anything that you can do better for yourself than that. But if you are really adamant or you try it out and it's not working for you at first, like don't beat yourself up over it. Find that time and space where he does meet you. If that's in the water, if that's running, if that's, you know, what, if that's journaling and make space to do that, make time to do that, find a babysitter, ask your husband to come alongside you and support you for, you know, an hour, a couple hours a week, whatever it is for you to be able to make that space for yourself, because it is important and you will notice a difference by even recharging one of those batteries. And especially if it's something like I was talking about swimming for me, hits all fours. A lot of times, if you can find one activity that hits all four mind, heart, soul, and strength, do that thing, do it every week, multiple times a week, and you will see transformation in your life. Mm, so good. So good. It really kind of encompasses the intentional abundance that you talk about. And yes. I know you have the intentional abundant life podcast. So I would love for you to share a little bit about what you talk about on there. What's your messaging there. And then can you tell us where a couple of places where listeners could connect with you, Sasha? Absolutely. So the podcast intentional abundant life, um, the tagline is, uh, peacefully productive days or productively peaceful. I've said it different ways at different times, um, productively peaceful days for Christian moms. And we talk about four things in there primarily, um, four, four main buckets, uh, one being faithful foundations. Uh, another one is simple self-care. So a huge topic that we hit on here today, mindset mastery. And then the last one is per purposeful priorities. Um, and so you'll hear those things there, but we talk about marriage and um, people come on and share their stories, intentional living, productivity, good stewardship, um, all kinds of different things are encompassed under those, those four main buckets. And so that's just intentional abundant life. Wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, I have a group on Facebook called intentional abundance community. Um, and then it's got colon, like productively peaceful moms club or something like that. Uh, so you can join us in there totally free. It's a very interactive and engaged community. It's very transparent. Um, moms and women show up in there vulnerably sharing about their motherhood, about themselves, about their marriage. Um, so if you're not for that, then don't jump in there. But if you just want a safe space to come, that is for you. Um, you're welcome to jump in there. And then I am Sasha Star Robertson on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can find me. Awesome. I love it. And I've actually referenced Sasha's podcast, some of the things she's talked about in my own podcast. So I'm definitely a listener and I love it. And I just appreciate all that you do, Sasha, and the fact that you want to help other women have that intentional abundance in the form that God wants them to have. And so thank you so much for sharing with us about biblical self-care. And I look forward to connecting again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Gabe. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Before we go though, make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. If you resonate with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes as it's one of the biggest compliments you could give me. If you have any friends or family whom you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with them. Also, if you're not a part of our free Simplicity and Motherhood online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your giftings, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to redhotmindset.com for more resources and to find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. In all things I pray, you just run your race. I believe in you.